Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. We are fresh out of Beaver Stadium where we spent today in the press box. Daniel Gallen, Tyler Donahue with you once again. 4-0 Penn State improves to today with a 33-14 victory over Central Michigan. They wrap up non-conference play. Of course, coming into this matchup as a four-touchdown favorite, there's going to be some extra things to dissect when they fall short of those expectations. But 1-0 was the goal this week, as we heard from James Franklin and several players. They have a lot to improve upon and correct coming out of this matchup, which is always a helpful thing. But, Daniel, they wrap up that non-conference play. Nine weeks ahead, eight Big Ten matchups involved to determine what lies beyond that for this Penn State squad. Uh, we'll get into all the ins and outs, the, pl- the positives, the negatives, the lingering concerns. But let's start with the obvious. Penn State scored the final 19 points of this matchup. There was some concern brewing in Beaver Stadium late in the in the first half. They were able to alleviate some of that. They didn't put the pedal to the metal toward the end of this thing, but a 19-point victory that was pretty securely handled by the time this one was in the final quarter. Things felt a little touch and go in that in that first half when Central Michigan worked their way in. I mean, after that, you know, six and a half minutes left in the first quarter, it's already 14 to nothing. Uh, I think that we thought we might be seeing something on par with the Ohio game or or worse, but Central Michigan won nine games last year. They have a good coach in Jim McElwain, and they worked their way back in, um, took advantage of uh, a little bit of sloppy Penn State play, and they made it a game. And I'm sure that, in a way, James Franklin is welcoming this a little bit in terms of they've got stuff on film, they've got stuff to go over, they're 4-0. Uh, number 14 in the nation right now. I haven't taken a look around to see if they'll have the chance to creep up at all tomorrow. Um, But there's going to be a lot to work on before this Northwestern game, during the bye, going into Michigan. So in a way, it probably works out for Penn State. But bottom line, it's going to be October 1st. Penn State's going to be 4-0 and I think almost 100% in the top 15. Uh, Can't necessarily say we saw that uh, a month ago. So I think in the big picture, you know, it's hard to ask for more. Uh, when you talk about today, we're going to have a lot to dissect. Yeah, 4-0, uh, looking to get to 5-0 before the bye week, and then things get really interesting, starting with the trip to Ann Arbor. But looking at what took place today in Beaver Stadium, Daniel, you mentioned it. Uh, first couple drives, kind of according to plan, and, and you're starting to write up that game summary early in, in the contest. But, uh, you know, one thing I had mentioned, and, and, you know, I had this one not quite covering the spread, but I saw Penn State winning by 26 points. I had 48 to 22. I know you were beyond that four-touchdown spread. Uh, but we all can, can figured it would be 25-plus points in this matchup. Um, the one thing that we didn't really uh, – that you had to account for was the fact that they had Richardson, the quarterback, a guy who's played – uh, you know, a nine-win football season last year. He's gone to, to Boone Pickens Stadium in week one against Oklahoma State and put up some solid numbers and trying to rally them out of a major hole. But I noted on our pregame podcast, Daniel, that the one concern for me was if Daniel Richardson was able to get some momentum, start getting hot, gain some confidence, because that is where Penn State can be tested a little bit by some of these uh, lower-tier teams in the past. That happened, and it was more of a spurt than a sustained thing for Richardson. But they benefited from stopping Penn State on a fourth down attempt there uh, when Penn State wanted to, to you know, really press the issue. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley was unable to, to bring in a low place pass from Sean Clifford. You think if they go in and score there it's, and it's 21 to seven early in the game, does it get away from the Chippewas to the Nittany Lions take it to the finish line in a different fashion? We don't know. It didn't happen that way because. Central Michigan was able to, to come up with that defensive stop. They were able to march down the field once again. And so you had those back-to-back 
touchdown drives generated by the quarterback Richardson, obviously uh, some help from, from, from his teammates, but I thought he got hot and, and you kind of wondered where it would go for the Nittany Lions. They ultimately came up with an answer, but that was 14, 14, the second quarter. I was really impressed with Daniel Richardson. I mean, he took a beating today. Uh, you know, it seemed like he was putting his body out there, especially at the end of the game. Once Penn state finally started to get home, um, but Central Michigan just kind of it was a lot of a lot of paper cuts uh, when you look at the way that they played those those shallow crossing routes over the middle. Uh, Carlos Carrier, who's a, a Maryland transfer, so a Power Five player, uh, you know, on this roster in the MAC, uh, he was open a lot underneath. And when you look at when Central Michigan had its turnovers, it was when they tried to go vertical. Um, Johnny Dixon made a great play to you know, to out jump a bigger receiver uh, for, for a ball up the right sideline. And then uh, Zaki Wheatley was playing center field and takeaway King strikes again, ranges all the way to his left to uh, uh, set up a Penn state touchdown. So I think that with central Michigan, it was, you know, it, it was kind of hard coming into this game because you knew that they're a nine win team from last year. They didn't look good early. Um, at the same time, you knew that Penn state was coming off a big win last week. So kind of had to pick your spot a little bit. Um, but I think Central Michigan gave them a game, uh, made it interesting, um, was able to convert here and there against the defense. Um, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how that uh, carries forward um, with, with Penn State, with that defense and kind of what the offense was trying to do. We'll get to one of the earlier turning points in this game. And I know you do your turning points piece in the post game, but it involved Barney and Moore, who was you know all over the place today, coming up with huge punts. He had three punts down inside the ten. Actually, one wasn't down because the 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 recipient fumbled it, and that set up a Penn State touchdown. So three punts go inside of the ten. One results in a Penn State touchdown. The other two result in three and outs for Central Michigan. And the first of those three and outs, Daniel came with the 14-14 game. You know, Penn State's now gone three possessions without scoring after getting touchdowns through Sean Clifford uh, throws to Brenton Strange and Mitchell Tinsley on those first two possessions. They're in an offensive law, and all of a sudden, Central Michigan and Richardson have the ball with the, their hand in their hands in that side game with a chance to go ahead, and all that Barney Moore did was pin them back at their own three. They end up having a punt. Then Parker Washington, a great example of complimentary football, gets a return from midfield, sets them up at the 34-yard line. And one of the stories of this game started to emerge. Catron Allen accounts for 33 of the ensuing 34 yards on the touchdown drive. Penn State never trails. They go on to to, to go on a 19-point unanswered run uh, to put this one away. But Catron Allen on that series really kind of was a harbinger of things to come for his afternoon. As he went over 100 yards, three consecutive games now where a Penn State freshman running back does that, twice by Nick Singleton. Singleton pretty well contained today. We'll we'll talk about that in a moment. But, man, Catron Allen, he was a force and such a factor when they needed an answer. I was really impressed with what we saw from Katron Allen today. And I think that things had been kind of building towards this um, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, Nick Singleton had the two big games um, against Ohio and Auburn. But especially in that Auburn game last last week, I think Katron Allen really started to tease what he's capable of um, in terms of his vision, his burst, um, the speed that he has, some of his athleticism. Um, some things that I think are a little underrated with how he was typecast coming out of high school and and arriving at Penn State. Uh, that 14-yard touchdown run that he had um, to to make it a, a 21-14 game was really impressive. Uh, I think it was another good example of, of him using his vision 
and being patient and just running to where guys weren't. Um, and it's something to be said um, for that. I mean, I think you have the stat of how many times he gained eight yards uh, with, with a yeah. carry. Um, and he six, was just, six of his 13 carries went for at least eight yards. Just always moving forward. Uh, and <laughs> there's a stat in the game notes where he hasn't been stopped uh, for negative yards yet uh, this year. He's had a couple, you know, stopped for no gain, um, but he hasn't been stopped behind the line of scrimmage yet this year. And, I think Penn State fans know this Penn State program knows that that's not something you can necessarily take for granted, um, given with what they've had the past couple of years. So I think Nick Singleton might have announced himself in a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more um, flashy uh, fashion, I guess. But Katron Allen today, I think, showed what he can bring to this offense, what he's capable of. And I think one thing that kind of pops into my head with thinking about how he played is a four minute offense. If Penn State is in in a close game, they get the ball back and they need to just really drain clock. That's the type of running back you're going to want to have where he's going to pick up yards. uh, He's not going to get behind the chains. He's going to keep you on schedule. You're going to be able to bleed that clock. Maybe you'll be able to break one uh, and and put things away. So I think there's a lot of good to take away from this with Katron Allen. Katron Allen was was where I went to for a story after the game and, and, and writing it up. And I know you wrote about something we'll get to in a moment, and that's some special teams concerns that are, that are you know, going to need to be addressed by this team. But but sticking with the positive here in Katron Allen, you know, you look at what Nick Singleton did last year as a senior and all the accolades he garnered. And meanwhile, Katron Allen is an absolute stud in the backfield, but he's surrounded by a bunch of power five prospects at IMG Academy. It's not a one-man band kind of situation. Uh, and I think what was kind of lingering in, in kind of between the lines last winter when these guys were getting to campus, whether you're hearing it from some people on the Penn State staff or hearing it from some people in our network who cover recruiting closely was, you know, Katron Allen was not ignorant to the fact that he was viewed as the other guy in this running back class. That's not to say he had animosity toward Nick Singleton by any means, but I think he's a guy who said, I proved myself as, as a early on in middle school, as a high school freshman in Norfolk, Virginia as one of the premier players in that area, a rising figure, go spend three years at IMG Academy. You know, I'm allowed to puff out my chest a little bit too. And everything you heard going back to Jay Wan Sider in March when we got him and they were starting to get a feel and a sense for how he's impacting the room and then going into the, to the preseason camp and, and the final few days before we got and, and, and Jay Wan saying he's going to play week one. And not only did he play in week one, he had a huge pivotal play on the final series of the game that Penn State needed to do to go down the field and avoid a loss at Purdue. So you knew the trust was there from from the get go in week one last week. Nick Singleton stole the spotlight again. Very much warranted back to back Big Ten freshman of the week honors. We get it with number 10. But quietly, you could say down at Auburn. He imposed his will. He averaged about six yards per carry on, on on nine rush attempts, reached the end zone a couple times. And today it was really a continuation, I thought, in a lot of ways. And you mentioned the vision, you know, one cut decisive off the left side of that line for that 14-yard touchdown. And a, a, something that James Franklin told us after the game that I thought was really interesting because we talked so much about the offensive line needing to do its part so a running back can find space. He actually said that, that Katron Allen – is setting up blocks for himself. And I thought that was really interesting for a guy who's, I don't know if he's 19 years old yet or 18, whatever he is. It takes guys a while to figure out how to do things like that when you're working at a power five game speed. So for him to come out of his first month and already knowing what Nick Singleton can can do, particularly on the perimeter, 
it's quite the one-two punch. And I'll give you some stats in a little bit to show how much these guys have separated themselves. But, uh, Daniel, I, I think it goes without saying now uh, that Catron Allen's not going to play second fiddle to anybody. It, it may be a 1A, 1B situation, but I don't think any of us go into this Big Ten uh, you know, reboot. They've already played one Big Ten game, but going into the, the Big Ten schedule, none of us are going to say it's Nick Singleton and everybody else. The one thing that we heard about Catron Allen when, when he got here in January was that his experience at IMG – really prepared him for the college game. And I think that that was mostly in terms of living in a dorm, being away from home, uh, being on a campus, that kind of thing. But I think it also reflects in, in kind of how he plays on the field in terms of being able to set up the blocks, um, being able to get north-south. Um, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing with him not getting stopped for negative yards. There's no, he tried to bounce something outside and, and get stopped for, for a three-yard gain. Um, or three-yard loss. Uh, we saw that happen to, to Nick Singleton um, earlier. He heard, and he heard about yeah. it, right? As Mark, as Mark <laughs> Brennan pointed out to us, Jaywan Sider made sure that he understood you take what you can get in this game. And then we didn't see Nick Singleton for a while after that. So um, obviously they're both freshmen, so they have a lot to learn. But I think that Katron Allen brings a maturity in how he plays and just kind of the the smoothness and, and how you know setting up the blocks, making the cut, having the vision. Um, I think that just kind of speaks to a player who, who's very prepared to be here and, and prepared to take advantage of his opportunity. So, you know, going into this year, you, you looked at it and, you know, you're like, wow, Penn State did a good job getting both of these guys into the class. But I, I don't necessarily know through four weeks, you know, maybe we thought, okay, like this is what we expected from Nick Singleton. You know, maybe fewer of us expected to see this from Katron Allen. But I think to have this kind of complete performance from both of them uh, through these first four weeks, through this first month, I think bodes very well uh, for what we're doing moving forward. Um, I guess the asterisk on this for today, we didn't see Kevon Lee uh, play yes. at all. Um, we know that he got banged up at Auburn, wasn't at practice on Wednesday. Um, and then uh, did, I think you saw him on the field in uniform. Um, and so... Yeah, you know, that's kind of that's the asterisk on these guys getting so much run. These guys getting a real opportunity to to show what they can do uh, today against Central Michigan. Yeah, but all due respect to Kevon Lee, I mean, I don't think anyone would have been shocked if he was you know third on the pecking order today. Come after what happened at Auburn and, and what's happened in, in recent weeks, and uh, it's it's maybe happened a bit quicker than we thought. And Kevon Lee uh, suffering some kind of injury apparently has you know kind of accelerated that. But Devin Ford was involved today. He didn't get a carry. There was 25 rush attempts for running backs. They all went to either Nick Singleton. Or Katron Allen. I mean, it's week four, and this is happening right now in front of our faces. And so for Singleton, after a couple you know, fireworks shows the last couple of weeks, you know, he's bottled up for the most part. 12 carries, 42 yards, a 3.5 average. A uh, big chunk of that, half of his yards actually came on a 21-yard run. Uh, so look, you're, that's where you're going to bounce a little bit with Nick Singleton. I, I told you before, uh, it's amazing because he's a guy who can – make that stat line go from seven carries for 15 yards to eight carries for 90 yards so quickly. So, so, so you'll take some of that as he learns how to be a balanced running back with Katron Allen, a little more consistent in terms of, of, of what he's totaling, uh, you know, carry by carry. And by the way, he went for nearly 40 on one over the course of this game that ended up setting up a, a Sean Clifford touchdown run. He came up big on another drive later. Jake Pinnegar finished that off with, with a field goal miss, but Katron Allen really an important part as this offense was able to, to find itself a little bit again and enough to, to put this one out of reach against Central Michigan. 
the, through four games really quick, just to put a, a, a kind of a bow on that conversation with the running backs, Nick Singleton leads all Nittany Lions with 376 rushing yards. That's just about nine yards per carry. Got four touchdowns. Katron Allen, he's next, 217 yards, pretty much on the dot, six yards per carry. He has three touchdowns. No other Penn State running back right now has 50 rushing yards through five games. They have taken control. We'll see where it goes from here. Um, let's flip it over, though, to, def or to the special teams conversation real quick because we have a lot more to get to offensively and defensively. But if we're going to look bright spot, and I think really Katron Allen's hard to ignore today, and we'll talk about another one with four takeaways for the for the defense and special teams. But special teams for the second consecutive home game, you've got a missed field goal. You get a missed extra point. You actually had two missed field goals today. Sanders Sahadak had his first career attempt from 56 yards as the first half came to a close. But Jake Pinniger in the middle of things for those. Jake Pinniger then thrust into kickoff specialist duties, which was a three-headed monster all of a sudden, but not so much of a monster because James Franklin was calling out that unit in postgame. They got to tighten this up. They got a first-year special teams coach. Uh, but, Daniel, narrow games away. There's not going to be much margin for error, and it just feels like it's trending towards biting them in the butt at the wrong moment at some point in Big Ten play. I've brought up that Michigan game before, and I'll bring it up again. Jordan Stout left four points on the field, and, and Penn State lost by four points. So I think that's the that's the big example that, that you're looking at when it comes to getting consistency uh, from the kicking game. But, I mean, there's a lot of uh, – different ways to go with this. I mean, I think that the one in replacing Jordan Stout, I think we can safely say that Penn State hit a home run when it comes to Barney Amore um, at punter. Another great game uh, from him, like we already covered. Um, obviously, Jordan Stout was, wasn't the most consistent field goal kicker. He had his misses on extra points. He had some of his struggles on field goals. Um, and it seems like you're kind of getting that, that same level um, of play coming in uh, from from Jake Pinniger uh, this year, which is kind of with these games on the margins, not what you want, not what you need. Um, the block extra point was interesting. Uh, the Central Michigan player got through the line pretty easily between uh, the long snapper Chris Stoll uh, and Landon Tangwall, who was immediately to his right. Uh, he just really knifed in there and had a, a pretty clean block on it. Um, Penn State has had trouble on uh, the the punt or extra point protection earlier this year, um, and James Franklin has said they've made some personnel changes. Um, I think I covered that in the story two weeks ago with some of the different groupings that they've had, um, and so it'll be interesting to see because you know they've had their struggles against Ohio and Central Michigan um, against MAC uh, bodies pushing up against their front. Um, when it's Big Ten guys on the other side of the line trying to get a push, you know, for a 35, 40 yarder to win a game, um, that's something that that looms pretty large. Um, the Sahadak situation, we we got we got our first look at that 52 yards and out uh, in the you know that nebulously titled game winning uh, situations. Um, that was kind of a, I guess you roll the dice there on either a hail mary or the long field goal. Um, and that didn't go their way. So that field goal unit is going to be. I think, by the way, I didn't get a look at that TV broadcast. You and I both were trying to figure out would that have been good. This I don't think that would have been good distance wise. I'll have to get a look at that. We just got home from the press box, mm -hmm. uh, but wasn't exactly a confidence inspiring kick from young Sanders Ahadak. Yeah, I I think it's all it's a tough situation for your first real collegiate field goal out there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it sounds like they had that role carved out for him. So. 
that's what you know what you feel like he should be expecting so it'll be interesting to see how this goes along uh you know james franklin two weeks ago said that he had all of the confidence in pinnaker um pinnaker said that pinnaker kind of chalked up i think at least the extra point miss against ohio to just a weird thing that doesn't happen um so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, we know that Sanders Sahadak, when we had our win- windows into practice, he looked good. He was striking the ball well. He seemed to be pretty accurate. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, you know, I think that special teams is kind of the one of the things that you don't want to think about too much. Uh, if, if you're a head coach, you don't want that to be what's keeping you up at night. And right now, I think it's probably occupying a little bit of real estate uh, with Penn State uh, in terms of what awaits them. Yeah, you love what you got from the punt game today. It created a, a takeaway there. You, you loved what you got from the punt game and, and Parker Washington setting up a Catron Allen's touchdown, which was the go-ahead touchdown and the momentum swing that Penn State needed to rest control back in this game. But overall, special teams, the storyline is going to be, are you going to leave those points in the field on a weekly basis? Is it going to be some kind of coin flip for these kicks? And, and there's just too many close games ahead. Uh, if Penn State wants to make that trip to Indianapolis come December uh, for them to skate by. But let, let's let's be real. There's a lot of kicking concerns across college football. This is not a position that is deep and loaded. Uh, they've got the guys played a bunch, but. You know, this has kind of been the deal with Jake Pinniger in recent years where you get you know, some good, but you'll also get some bad. And is that good enough at, at the at the place kicker spot for Penn State this year? Do they have any other options? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out. But right now, as far as we understand, Jake Pinniger's job and they got some things to clean up uh, in, in front of him in terms of executing those kicks as well. Let's go over to the defense. Um, you know, they gave up those two touchdown drives and that was that essentially uh, three Takeaways on their part, you know, you, you credit the, the fourth turnover to, to the uh, to the special teams unit. But overall, eight takeaways in the last couple of games for Penn State. It's really coming together after one takeaway in the first couple of games. And you want to talk about turnover battle four to nothing. Each of the last couple of wins for Penn State really bailed them out in a lot of ways. This could have gotten a lot scarier, a lot dicier without those takeaways. And overall, Penn State leading that nine to one through four games. Sean Clifford's pick six against Purdue remains the only turnover from the Nittany Lions offense. I mean, when you look at how Penn State has been able to manage the turnover battle, I, I don't think we we really pictured up them to be plus eight at this point. Obviously, the one the one is really big, and it's the one that a lot of people remember uh, and will remember for most of the season, but. The fact that Penn State has been able to kind of marry, you know, clean, uh, relatively clean uh, play on offense with this aggressive defense that is getting the ball, uh, you know, making plays, stripping guys. Um, I think that it, it sets up very nicely for Penn State moving forward. Uh, after the game, I talked to Johnny Dixon for a while and I asked him what it's like when he's on the field and you see Kalen King with a very, you know, almost I don't want to say superhuman, but just the effort on that play to give up a catch in tight coverage and then to be able to wrestle the ball away for the fumble. I mean, that's just such an impressive uh, individual effort by him. And I asked Johnny Dixon what, what it's like to see that. And he said that when they're all out there and they see someone get a turnover, they want one themselves. That That's the kind of attitude that they have uh, in the defensive backfield. I mean, he saw Zaki Wheatley get get his interception then Johnny Dixon wanted one of his own. So he got that. Um, and it just seems like that the way this defense is playing is that they're just, they're having a lot of fun and they're really enjoying it. 
Um, I think that Curtis Jacobs has kind of said that uh, the way that Manny Diaz talks about it is that, you know, just go effort a hundred percent. If you don't make the play, there will be someone there to help clean it up or you'll get another chance to make the play later on. And I think that the defense is playing at least in the back end, at least in these kind of turnover situations is playing really free. I think there was one stop. uh, I forget who it was that you were marked on where uh, whoever went the defensive back that went into tackle. I mean, it looked like they were going directly for the strip and it seems like every time that Penn state has a ball carrier stood up, you're waiting for someone to come in to punch the ball out. Uh, to strip it um they're really swarming to the football right now and that's leading to really good things uh, for this defense we'll be right back on the lions 24 7 podcast a lot of active hands by the way 13 pass breakups credited to the mini lions today they have been racking that up i know they led the nation early this season i can't imagine that that they've fallen off that pace much uh right up there with with the leaders across fbs football right now Uh, and it was you know aided by the fact that they had a pretty fearless quarterback on the other side, Daniel Richardson. I thought early and often he showed, look, I, I'm in Beaver Stadium. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to throw some balls up. There were probably some opportunities for others. I mean, some of those were very well-placed balls. There were some contested catches. There were some throws that were out of the out of the reach of everybody. Um, but Richardson was pretty fearless. It cost him in a couple circumstances. They picked up some chunk plays in other spots. But I thought overall, uh, the Penn State defensive backfield, especially when this game was, was getting a little bit dicey, they were able to shut down things and really take control. And and that's what you wanted to see with the elite talent uh, with that went out over the course. It's okay sometimes to see a couple series back to back where there's struggles and you get a little nervous about the team. You want to see the response. And I thought defensively, the response was there today. Again, there were some chunk plays over the course of this thing, but they didn't let Lou Nichols really get his. He had, he had a, a big run or two, but he finished the day under 50 rushing yards. Um, ultimately, I, I thought defensively, especially the way they were able to, to, to get guys like deny Dennis Sutton after it late in the game, a couple sacks for him. You come away from this one, you got a bunch of guys involved once again. Manny Diaz has this thing rolling from a turnover, from a takeaway perspective. Uh, and, and, I, and I think – you come out of this and you think the defense is in a a better spot than you thought it might be going into October. It it feels like they have been a bit more buttoned up than I thought they might be. There were some moments on roller skates in week one against Purdue that we thought we might see, especially in that kind of a matchup with that kind of a quarterback and that kind of an offense. But as we've got now a a sample size of 16 quarters of what Manny Diaz's defense looks like and the kind of guys he's implementing and when he's doing that, I think they're ahead of the curve of where I thought they would be going into conference play. Curtis Jacobs agrees with you uh, on that one. Well, that's I, good I mean, company, right? <laughs> he, he would know. Um, so I, and I think that's good. That's what you want to hear um, that they feel like that they've gotten the hang of this, that they feel like they're applying it uh, a little bit you know, quicker than they thought they might be. I mean, there's still things that, that we would like to see. I think, I mean, I think the pass rush stands out a little bit, Um, They have 12 sacks on the year. Seven of those came against Auburn last week. They didn't necessarily fill up the stat sheet against Ohio and, and central Michigan, which you, you kind of hope to see, or or you want to see. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a thing where they were playing in that Brent prize system for so long and guys had these, had these such specific roles and were played in a certain way that you were really curious as to what it was going to look like when, someone came in and obviously a big selling point that James Franklin brings up when he talks about hiring Manny Diaz is similarities uh, between Brent Pry and Manny Diaz. But 
you know, he's still someone who does it differently, still someone who is going to put his own stamp uh, on the program, someone who is going to try to figure out how to use this talent uh, a little bit differently. And he's been creative. He's done some interesting things. Um, I think we saw one of those today where Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs were on the field at, at the same time on in that third down. Uh, First series at, of the game. Yeah, and that Prowler package uh, where we saw uh, Jair Brown uh, in that linebacker spot before. So I think there's still some things that we're going to see. Uh, you know, that bag of tricks, uh, I think, still has some you know new wrinkles in it as we go along. Um, but I like what we've seen. Um, it it hasn't really felt like this defense has been on its heels much. Um, the occasions where that has happened have been like Ohio, just emptying the playbook uh, and just running trick plays to get down the field or these kind of, you know, long, you know, chunk plays kind of fluky here and there. Um, there are still things that need to get tightened up because those things are happening. But I do feel good about where this defense is and and what it can do um, against some of these better Big Ten teams on the schedule in October. Franklin mentioned they've done a great job this season of putting teams in, in bad spots on third third down, long situations, but they've also not done a great job of, of closing the door on them and, and, and then pre, pre, you know, preventing a fourth and short spot where a team can be tempted to go forward or, or where their team actually picks up a third and long. There was a third and goal from the 30 today. Uh, that set up a fourth and goal from the five, and that's not not really what you want from the situation. We saw it last last week against Auburn when Auburn had some moments or some signs of life on, on offense. There were some kind of long plays on third down situations. So th- there's corrections to be made. There's work to be done. One thing I, I take away from a conversation I had with PJ Must for in post game is he is legitimately, genuinely very pleased with how he feels in game four versus how he felt. In game one, I mean, it, you can just hear there was there was some concern, I think, mentally for him throughout that first game where you're just looking around. You're just worried that someone's going to roll up on you. Something's going to happen. You're going to feel that pain again. You get to start the process over again. And I, I he still may not be out of it all the way. He says the, it, it could take until the end of the season to where he's playing his best football. But I thought we saw PJ in command uh, in a lot of in a lot of spots today. Uh, he had to play more than we thought. Um, I, I didn't think we'd see PJ nearly as much as, as as he was involved over the course of this matchup. But you know, he made a tackle with his back essentially. And he just was the wall in certain spots. And when you're going up against the the FBS's reigning leading rusher, uh, Lou Nichols, who by the way I shortchanged, he finished with 67 yards. I said he finished under 50, but nonetheless, really did a nice job bottling him up. And then the other guy is the other McDonough product, Deny Dennis Sutton. I know it came late, Daniel, uh, but first I got to mention it because I called it with my player of the game with the multi-sack thing, so I got to toot my own horn there. But I also have to say three sacks in two games, five stars come to play. I think in that sequence he had a quarterback hurry or a quarterback hit mixed he in did. there too. He was he was getting home. He was making himself at home in the backfield. I think when you compare him to the other five stars in the class, Nick Singleton – um, has had more than his share of moments. Drew Aller, obviously, we, we've we've already talked about him a lot. Um, I think Denai Dennis Sutton is kind of the one that we've been waiting for. Um, you know, we've been waiting to see if he can turn that rotation at the top, which is really three guys with Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, and Nick Tarburton. If uh, Denai Dennis Sutton can make that a legit four-man rotation, mostly we see Denai Dennis Sutton out there with a mean Vanover uh, with kind of that. Uh, second string uh, defensive line, even though there's been a lot of mixing and matching. But I think that if 
he can continue on that upward trajectory. You know, he didn't get here till the summer. So I think that he's working, you know, a little bit behind some of these other guys uh, from that perspective. But I think that he's playing his way into being someone that we're going to hear a lot about in October and into November. Let's talk about QB1, Sean Clifford, four total touchdowns on the day. But you come out of this one, you check your social media, you have some conversations, and you're saying, did I miss something? Was this a calamity of a day for Sean Clifford? Uh, People want a lot more out of the situation when you're going up against an opponent, non-conference, not of the Power Five, 28-point spread. They've been getting thrashed through the air. Hey, the first couple of drives, uh, two touchdowns. I actually noted here when Sean Clifford – uh, threw that pass to Mitchell Tinsley on fourth down. Uh, it was a low ball, but it was well-placed considering the coverage Mitchell Tinsley had in his hands. It was the second time during that drive that we actually saw a Penn State receiver uh, have a, the, the ball hit them in the hands from Sean Clifford. He was 8 of 11 for 103 yards and two touchdowns at that point. So I thought he came out of the gates very sharp. His receivers let him down in some spots. Um, overall, though, you saw some of those lulls. He was a part of that process, misfired on some key spots, didn't find his progression in, in some areas, but no turnovers again. Again, one turnover. It was a big one. It was a terrible one, but that's it through through four games now. Three touchdowns through the air, 217 yards. Uh, he scored again on that QB sneak. Uh, he has scored on the ground every game this season now. Um, so, Daniel, look, with Sean Clifford, this kind of ties into kind of how I feel about people viewing this Penn State performance. They have trust issues and they have baggage because of, you know, the face of, of Penn State football in recent years, aside from James Franklin, has been Sean Clifford. And recent years have tested the patience uh, and the comfort level of Nittany Lions fans. So I think they see this. They revert back to some of those feelings they've experienced. Same deal when, when things went off the rails at Purdue. Look at the body of work, though. Was it 12 touchdowns versus one turnover, a 4-0 record? I, I I just have a hard time wanting to pick on Sean Glifford coming out of this game. I, there'll be people who do it. I don't really feel like keeping on it, though. I think when you look at how he came out of last week, where when you're looking at the the spectrum that that Sean Clifford is, you know, because we've talked about it, he's a pretty high variance quarterback. I mean, the highs are pretty high. The lows, I think a lot of people would prefer not to revisit those. And coming out of last week, he just played such a clean game. Uh, where you didn't really think about him too much. Obviously, the running game had a lot to do with that. And so that was more towards, um, I guess, the highs of Sean Clifford. And then you come in, and I thought today was more of the what you expect out of Sean Clifford. It was just kind of a maybe slightly above average Sean Clifford performance because he didn't have the turnovers. Uh, he didn't have a back-breaking mistake. Uh, the wide receivers for really the, the second time this year, including the Purdue game, uh, really did not help him out um, in a couple key spots. But I think when you look at the throws that that Clifford missed, it was kind of a lot of things that we've seen before a little bit. Um, a couple of those high passes that he sails, um, you know, missing guys like that. It just, I think that sometimes you get caught up in that deja vu a little bit where, um, you know, I mean, this is only my second year seeing this on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure that, the people that have seen this, this is their fourth year uh, seeing this every week. Uh, I'm sure that you start to see that your mind starts to wander. Um, but I think that we haven't, you know, the he just hasn't bottomed out at all this year. Um, and I think that he deserves a lot of, you know, a lot of credit for not having too many of those backbreaking mistakes. 
And the one time he had that backbreaking mistake, he made up for it with that two minute game winning touchdown drive. So I think that from a statistical perspective, it's been a really solid year from him Um, in terms of the eye test. I think that it's better than what I expected um, in terms of the mistakes, uh, how efficient he's been at times. Um, Maybe we'd like to see him use his legs a little bit more. Um, I think we, there were a couple of times where we were talking in the press box that it looked like he could have run, didn't next drive out has a nice little carry. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think Sean Clifford is at a point in his career where he's never, he's not going to be able to make anybody happy and I, everybody happy. And I, I don't think there's a quarterback that's really capable of that, um, on any team. And so I think that you just kind of have to know what your expectations are going in grade him on that on that curve that that we've kind of established and you know I think that you you do really have to give him credit for avoiding those mistakes right now but I feel like this will be a, a conversation that we'll be having uh, you know was it eight more times this year <laughs> yeah well I I've been I've been saying it for a long time all offseason it felt like where I said let's see what it looks like coming out of the Northwestern game let's see what happens when you get in October do you reassess the quarterback spot do you make a change there And while we've seen far more good from Drew Aller than I thought we would even get a chance to see in September, I just don't think you've seen enough bad or regression from Sean Clifford to warrant that decision when you factor in everything else beyond arm strength and the the measurements that Sean Clifford is well-documented to be providing this team and providing this locker room as a starting quarterback. And uh, look, Drew Aller got some reps today. Uh, It wasn't time for fireworks from him. He's going to be waiting in the wings. He's four for four and getting in games. I think James Franklin and Mike Yersich are going to make sure he stays involved and gets his opportunities. But to me, you know, you look, you look at Sean Clifford and you come out of this matchup and the problem probably that is posed now. And I think the reason why there is some angst amongst fans on a day like this is expectations have climbed so much in a hurry where people now want to view this Nittany Lions squad in the light of a legitimate Big Ten championship contender. And when you want to view your team in that kind of light, which then puts you in the playoff conversation, you think about how your quarterback stacks up against the other quarterbacks in that conversation. There's some Heisman Trophy winners, Heisman Trophy finalists, guys that are being projected as top NFL draft picks. Sean Clifford doesn't fit the bill for any of that right now. Um but I think that's kind of where it's gone. You, know, you, you look at where the expectations were for this team and this offense at large, August 30th versus where they are right now. Now that they have the ground game, now that we've seen some of these weapons, I think the one thing you really want to look for more from this pass attack in particular is connecting on deep explosive plays. There's too much talent in this wide receiver room. I think that's what they're missing on. You know, Parker Washington quietly kind of led this group again, uh, six six catches, 64 yards, uh, you know, solid day from him, had a punt return. But I think we want to see, you know, Mitch Tinsley had a touchdown early on. Uh, but we want to see, the, you know, those explosive plays that, that that you can match up with this ground game now. Um, and when you saw the, the level of cover, cover zero that they faced today, as James Franklin said, uh, you want to be able to make people hurt, make them pay for rolling out cover zero, cover zero, cover zero on you. Today, they weren't able to do that. Sean Clifford took some shots. There were some misconnections downfield. Again, things to clean up. But if you're looking for things to cling to and, and, and to be angry about with the team being 4-0, maybe this isn't the week to put all those eggs in the Sean Clifford basket. We've had several of those weeks in the past. I'm just going to say maybe this isn't the one. And you just look around the Big Ten, and it's, it's such a cop-out answer to say, but being a, a college quarterback is such a fickle thing. 
Um, and it, it's such it's so difficult with with what you get week to week. I mean, I think yeah. coming into this year, you'd say that Aiden O'Connell was probably the the second best uh, quarterback in the Big Ten behind C.J. Stroud. You saw what the Penn State uh, defense did to him in week one, just held yep. him to a super inefficient day, even though he had good yardage. I mean, he was close down to around 50 percent completion after being above 70 last year. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa threw, I think, a, a backbreaking pick against Michigan today. Um, Peyton Thorne, um, I don't think, made it out of today's game. Woof. Uh, Michigan State has has gotten it handed to it the past two weeks so I think you look around at the quarterback situation and obviously in this vacuum um, as as Devin Ford said this week uh, comparison is the thief of joy so you have to kind of uh, look at at what you have and that might not necessarily be the most thrilling or you can always there's so much room that you can see where things things can be better um, but I think in the grand scheme of college football, I mean, I think you have to say that Penn State is in a, a, a good spot um, with a quarterback who, if he can come out and just be average to above average, um, that's enough the way that the way that college football is. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's not enough to contend for the college football playoff, but he can't be average. I he's got to he's got to be he's got to be pretty close to great. I think I, yeah. yeah, we've already established I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen here in his final college seat, but he's got to be pretty close to great for them to legitimately be in that conversation. I think was he there today? No. Have we seen stretches of that this season? Yes. But that's kind of the story with Sean Clifford. Can he piece it together and be great on, you know, six, seven of the next nine, uh, nine Saturdays. That's going to be the key to seeing if they can really go for launch. Yeah. Like where he is right now. I mean, I think you can contend for the big 10. You can be in that conversation, uh, you know, maybe doing some some math uh, when it comes into November. All right, we need this team to lose here. We need this team to lose here uh, to to move in, atop the division. Um, but I think at this point, you know, maybe it's coming down the pike. But he hasn't lost Penn State any games yet, and I think that that's the biggest concern with him. Um, I think that if you went into this year and you said that Penn State lost a game in the first month, and you know, what would be the number one factor that lost them the game? I think a lot of people would have said Sean Clifford. So I think he deserves some, he deserves a lot of credit for where they are right now. Obviously that body of work from the past three years, uh, especially last season uh, just really hangs over things uh, right now. Um, It's a prove it year for a lot of people um, on this Penn state team. And I think that they've kind of answered the call for the most part through the first four weeks, but now you got to show more. Now you got to keep proving yeah. it. Now you got to do that in conference play. Well, they could really run the ball well his first year as a starter. They were an 11 win team that year. They could not run the ball at all, really, uh, with effectiveness and with consistency for the next couple of years as the starting quarterback. He was a 500 quarterback. And all of a sudden, they could run the ball again and they're 4 0. Now, really quickly, because you know, th- I just wanted to draw a quick parallel. Everyone wants to compare themselves to the national champions. Let's go down to Athens, Georgia, very quickly, Daniel. Number one, Georgia today against the Kent State Golden Flashes, a one and two team out of the MAC. Does that sound familiar? Went down there, 40 plus point underdog, 17 points was the final margin of victory, 39 uh, to 22. Georgia won that game. Stetson Bennett threw the ball 36 times, no touchdowns, one interception. College football has a lot of human nature. I think I think more so than NFL, more so than really any highly covered, highly watched sport, 
week to week, you got to have your finger on the pulse. There's a reason why I felt there was going to be some teachable moments coming out of this, some sloppier moments. I didn't think there was going to be a duplicate performance versus Ohio because of what they had in between going on the road, winning emphatically at Auburn, planting their flag down in SEC territory, hearing about how great they were from us and everybody in the national media for an entire week. It seriously affects you. It takes time to shake off, and even more so when we're talking about all these young contributors who are having their first true brush with this kind of a limelight on a positive manner. So, Daniel, I, I don't want to say I called my shot, but I think in college football, you can kind of sense when these games are coming a little bit. And if Penn State can work that out of their system here, I think they can benefit from what took place at Beaver Stadium. Now, if there's a carryover into the first quarter, first half against Northwestern, then we can start to have a different conversation. But to me, if this is an isolated incident – and you can scrutinize the hell out of it, that's very beneficial for Penn State staff and their roster. Yeah, I think that that's, you, you want to be able to teach off of this game. Uh, I'm sure that they don't want us to keep telling the players how great they are, how great this program is, uh, you know, making, planning our trip to the college football playoff. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that really looking at next week, uh, that's when you really get down to business, Big Ten play. Um, I don't think even though Northwestern has been you know, kind of down for the past year, I don't necessarily think that's a game where you go in with the plan of, mm. all right, when are we going to put the backups in? When are we going to get when are we going to get the young guys work? When are we going to get the guys valuable reps? Um, I mean, it's time now. So I think that today you it's just another data point. Um, you, know, you try not to take too much into it, too much out of it. Um, maybe we'll see some of these things. If we see some of these things pop up again, maybe we can come back and be like, okay, now we know a little bit more. Um, but I think that overall you beat a Mac team by three scores, did what you were supposed to do. You're four and oh, top 15 in the country in good shape moving forward. Now it's conference play. Now it's time to, to really get down to business. Just like we knew before kickoff at Auburn, this Penn State team is not perfect. A little bit of a reminder of that for everybody today. Uh, but a lot of teams learned a lesson today in college football, and they got a, a, a loss in that column. And and Penn State did not. A uh, little dicey for some folks at Beaver Stadium. We were looking at each other in the press box, wondering where this thing might go. Penn State able to score 19 unanswered, win 33-14, to improve to 4-0 on the season we're gonna be back with another episode of the podcast on monday break things down in further detail circle back on some key storylines coming out of this matchup and then we'll start to set the stage get things in gear for big 10 schedule uh gonna be here in full force really soon tyler calvaruzzo meanwhile up at lines 247.com already has feedback from visitors today there's an official visitor on campus with edwin joseph an in-state lineman uh very notable has already gotten back to tyler so uh conversations on the recruiting end of things coming out of the home game at lions247.com and plenty of coverage coming out of the central michigan matchup as well big thanks to daniel uh, for our producer lance glenn i'm tyler donahue thanks to everyone for always tuning in to the lions 24 7 podcast